Welcome to Gippsland Anglicans On Air, where we talk about matters of modern life and how Christ's example can help us each and every day. My name is Libby Willems, and today's guest is Reverend Jude Benton from the beautiful community of Malakuta and the broader parish of Crowa Jingalong. Welcome, Jude. Thanks, Libby. It's lovely to be here today. Thanks for joining us on the program. So Malakuta is a beautiful part of East Gippsland. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the community that you know and the people that you meet? Sure. So I've been in Malakuta for six years now. Um, it's a population, average population through the year of about a 1,000 people, but over the summer that swells with tourists. Uh, we have a lot of tourists. I reckon about 10,000 through over the summer. Within that as well, there's a lot of people with holiday homes who very much see themselves as part of the community and are part of the community, but may be here for a month every couple of months or a week every couple of months or even just once a year. So it's quite a diverse community. And then in the parish, we've also got the town of Can River, which is an hour further back west on the motorway. And that's a town of about 200 and quite a different uh, socioeconomic grouping, a lot more farmers, um, things like that. So it's two quite different communities in yeah, in the parish that we've got here. That's so interesting. And um, I imagine those towns that do draw tourist crowds, they um, have a, a particular dynamic that maybe other communities across Gippsland don't have that sort of shift in number or the shift in um, characteristic um, sort of through the year, that seasonality. Um, that would make it make your year really interesting and have a, quite a cycle in it. It does. It certainly has its own cycle and we're building up now at the start of December, end of November, start of December, into the busy season. So, yeah, yeah a lot of clergy breathe a sigh of relief after Christmas and have a few weeks off, whereas that yeah. Boxing Day, the place goes crazy and oh. that's when the tourists arrive. So it gets busier for the next yeah. couple of weeks after that. Yeah. So how do you pace yourself then through a busy Christmas and into a busy January with the community? How do you take care of yourself during that time? I think now that I know that it's a cycle, you prepare for it and yeah. you just accept that Christmas is not going to be a great time for people to come and visit and hang out. It's going to be more just work for a couple of weeks and then have people come later in January, that sort of thing. Yeah. But you also have a good break in the middle of winter Yeah. instead of just gear your year around that. Yeah, yeah. Because part of the exciting thing is these holiday makers that come every year, they very much see themselves as part of the church as well as the community. So we've got people who every summer will come to the church maybe for two or three Sundays. They'll volunteer to help out at our op shop. They'll participate while they're there. And so it's this whole different congregation and they bring great energy. The Last year we had 80 of the service after Christmas, the first Sunday of the year, and then it drops through January and then we're back to our normal numbers that stick through for the rest of the year. So they bring an energy and a vibrancy and just a really good input. So it's important to be here and to support them and to work with them. And Jude, you um, remind me of uh, my own holiday experiences where we um, have for a number of years been beachside in another part of the Victorian coast and uh, our tradition is to visit the Anglican Church in our holiday destination, and we love it. It's really a rich part of our memories. So is that it, um, advice or an invitation that you'd give to our listeners about including or, or reaching out to their local churches if they're travelling? Is that something that people can do? Very much so. So I wrote a thing, I think, for the 
Melbourne Anglican a few years ago, an article basically saying that, you know, if you're regularly going through a place, encourage those churches because what people don't realise is that the rest of the year can be quite hard in these small communities. And it was interesting during COVID when people couldn't travel interstate or internationally, and so they came to Malakuta in the off-season and we had some of our annual January people suddenly turn up in May and they had no clue that half of the shop's shut and that there's no cinema and that it's a totally different place and that the church can get down to, you know, 15 people because everyone goes to warmer climates. Yeah. And that energy and encouragement that we have actually helps sustain us through the rest of the year. Um, we've actually got this weekend uh, the Bush Church Aid Nomads, which is a formal group of volunteers who travel around and support churches and they're having their annual conference here in Malakuta. So we've got 60 of them coming to join us in Malakuta. But even if you're, yeah, so if you're like that, you can join an organisation like Bush Church Aid and actually go officially to help churches. But if you're regularly at a summer place, get to know the locals, get to know the church, get to know how you can encourage and pray for them during the year. Yeah, that's great. That's a great invitation. Jude, your community, um, not wanting to um, revisit hard times, but your community made the headlines in recent years for having um, a, a very, very, very difficult summer. St Peter's is the name of your church and the community of St Peter's is uh, really central to the community by the sounds of it. And it sounds to me that um, you've been really central in part of the recovery for the community and the rebuilding and the um, repairing of hearts and um, emotions as people are coming out of, uh, had experienced that really difficult time. Can you tell us a little bit about what the St Peter's as a community place and the people of St Peter's has meant to the community that are in Malakuta all the time? So you're talking four years ago, this New Year's, we faced the Black Summer bushfires uh, and Malakuta certainly became front and centre with those pictures of the bright red sky and the people on the beach and, and all of that. And certainly we've moved as a church and as a community through all the different stages of the initial response and relief and recovery. And one of the big things has been that we are there and we have been there. So I was there as priest for 18 months before that, but we've got congregation members who have lived there for 40, 50 years. And so a whole lot of people already know and to and by the community. We were able to get our op shop open the day after and be able to give stuff away to those who lost houses. And that continued for about a year. And even now we're very aware of who's in different stages. There's still people rebuilding. There's still people waiting to move in. There's other people who have built or bought and life is in a very different place for them. So mm. we've been able to walk the journey with different people because we've got people who are known, who are present and who have travelled the distance. Most of the agencies that came in, they came in for a few days or a few months or even a couple of years and then people are left hanging when those agencies wind up and move off. And so having a church community that can continue to be present and can continue to walk with the people because we know what they're going through. We've got people in the congregation who lost houses. We've got people who lost other parts of their property, their sheds or belongings, that sort of thing. We've got people who were involved very much in the 
fire brigade and SES and those kind of agencies and have walked through the trauma of that and the trauma of seeing their community that they love destroyed. And so, yeah, it's been it's been a teamwork. It's not been just me. It's been us all gathering together and just responding as we can as the different challenges of you know processed and mm. things. And for me, it's been about learning um, about grief, about trauma, about community recovery, and how how to tie that into my teaching, into my sermons, into the radio show that I do every week to to make it relevant to where people are at. And when at the moment there's a lot of people starting to face fear and trauma for you know it's that annual cycle of the memories that it was New Year and things, but also with the bushfire uh, uh, warnings that are coming out at the moment about the very dry years we've had with the increased risk, that's putting some people on edge. So how do we talk about anxiety? How do we talk about hearing things and keeping them in perspective? How do we how do we prepare ourselves and yet not live in a state of fear? So those are things that we can address through preaching, through teaching, through prayer, through the radio, through just bringing a scriptural base to what is really a yeah a human experience yeah and the pace of healing um for everybody for every individual and within families too will vary there'll be people who um have a resilience for whatever the reasons are that, that they might begin their healing faster than others there are some that haven't necessarily um, got skills or, or it's just too difficult and they may still be um, quite deep in their in their wounds and their hurt. Um, so I think as, as as I've seen in other communities and work I've encountered is that over time, um, you know, the, the, the community of people kind of really become quite variable um, in, in where they're at. Um, and and you, you speak about that sort of triggering of the season and the triggering of anniversary dates or things of that type that can uh, kind of unravel people um, in ways that maybe they weren't necessarily expecting or that they know is coming and they just haven't quite worked that out. It's um, And you mentioned about the agencies that, you know, that they have a period of time where they'll be present in a community and then um, their services are required elsewhere for other communities and it's normal and right that they move towards those and that consistency of of your care for community and and being of the community and in it um, is is just so so central to to communities and um, that's that would be true of churches everywhere I'm sure um, that they're with the community and in it um, and living those experiences together. I would think so. At least I'd hope so. But that's what yeah. our churches are about. Jude, tell us about your recent celebration um, that you just racked up and I've just I'm just referencing a beautiful print article in our magazine the Gippsland Anglican you've made the front cover there tell us what that's all about so a few weeks ago in October we celebrated 50 years of St Peter's Malacuta and the building that was built by community to be when they built it they built it with the intention that it would be the only church in town that it would be used by the different denominations to worship God. It is an Anglican-owned church, but it's very much been based around being the community church. So that was a great celebration. And 
yeah, it was a great time to look back and realise that the parish itself had existed for 50 years before St Peter's was built. And in the last 50 years, things have changed, they've grown, they they look different now to what they did 50 years ago. So we really wanted to avoid it being a trip down memory lane and just focusing on what it was 50 years ago and just the building itself. We really wanted a celebration of all that God has done over the 50 years that St Peter's has been there, but to pray for the future and to look, as I said, to the longer past too and see what what are the seeds of faith that we've inherited through yeah, 100 years of a parish, 50 years of an amazing building. We, we have the best church building, I reckon, anywhere. It's got the most incredible view out over the Malakuta Lake. Um, Is that very, an invitation, Jude, for us to it, travel to Malakuta and spend invitation. a weekend? travel to come to to just sit in the church you talk about healing places you know at times we've just had the church open for people to come and just sit because the view is incredible and it's just a very healing safe space so yeah no it was a wonderful celebration we we're thrilled to have bishop richard there. we also had uh guy peter harvey who's our uniting church bushfire recovery chaplain because we're cooperating so it's Anglican and Uniting mm-hmm. and we're also sponsored very heavily by Bush Church Aid and so we had the National Director of Bush Church Aid Greg Harris Fantastic. there as well and so we had the service run by the three of them with me just kind of floating around and it was great <laughs> it's, yeah it's such a celebration of who we are. That celebration would have made been made all the more poignant I think after the fires that you've referenced because it must have been a bit of a miracle that St Peter's was spared during those fires too, that it was a building that 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 wasn't burnt um, to sort of then, you know, be available to the community in the time after, um, you know, and it becomes a place of stability or, or, or um, a symbol of stability and, and continuity for the community. I understand you've, you weren't focused on the building as a celebration, but I'm sure it had some bearing on the minds of the community that were healing did that come out in the in the celebration was this sort of a sense of that absolutely i mean as much as i say we didn't want it to be about the building it was about the building because that's why we were having a celebration (laughs) but yeah that sense that this was and remains a place that people can come and to be and to worship and to pray Mm. i did a slideshow of photos from through the years and included one two that i took during the fire one of the sky and then one a few days later of all the sleeping bags of people sleeping in there. And that is part of our story and yeah. will remain part of the story. Yeah. I ask our visitors uh, and our guests to choose a song. Have you picked a song for us today? I have. So the song's called Waymaker. And while it's originally by a Nigerian gospel singer called Sinesh, or I apologise if I've mispronounced her name, um, the version that we've got is a cover by a band called Leland. Oh, fantastic. Let's um, have a listen to this song and then we'll talk about it a little bit after, if that's okay. Sounds good to me. Word. 
to Life FM and listening to Gippsland Anglicans on air. My name is Libby Willems and we're here today with Reverend Jude Benton and we've just listened to Jude's choice of song, Waymaker, performed by Leland. Um, we've been hearing about the community of Malakuta, but Jude, tell us why that song was chosen today. So it's always hard to choose songs because there's so many good options out there. And But the reason I chose that one, during the year, one of the things that we've been working on is uh, developing some home groups at the church in Malakuta. And we've ended up with three home groups, uh, a daytime mixed group and an evening ladies and an evening men's group. And we ran a series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality during the year, which was a really interesting and quite challenging course looking at ourselves about the experiences we've had and how we need to deal with ourselves and our history in order to move forward as the people that God created us to be. And as part of that, I got each of the home groups to lead a service of worship one Sunday and they could do whatever music they wanted, do it in whatever style they wanted. And the men's group chose that song and introduced that song to us as a song that they had connected with as a way of acknowledging that 
God would make a way even through the hardships and the difficulties that they had faced in their lives and to become the people that they all want to be, both individually and as a group and as a congregation. So it's just a song that has been quite profound, I think, for our church this year. We've used it quite a lot in worship because it, it really gets us to think, well, who is God to us? And do we believe God can work through the challenges that we're facing, the histories and experiences that we've had, and bring good out of those? Mm. The way the truth and the light comes to mind. I've spoken with some um, people who've lived through bushfire and lost um, property in, in another community of Gippsland and they it can feel like the world comes to a standstill um, and they, you know, just where do you begin to move forward from that? And, and, and I love that idea and, and a song that helps us to look outwards, look Look, look for um, the people around us, look for the way forward, the way maker. That's a great story and a beautiful song. I hadn't heard that one. That's a new one for me. It well, will be adding to my playlist, that's for sure. Excellent. Glad, yeah. glad to hear. And that, that was one of the exciting things about getting the groups to lead the worship because I would have thought I use a very wide and very eclectic range of worship songs anyway, and yet they each came out with new songs that we hadn't sung before and some we've adopted into regular use and some were wonderful for a once off but yeah yeah so it's just fascinating what people do have on their playlist yes yes and Jude you um talk about you, you bring up that, uh, that idea of creativity and creation um which is a really central idea in and and um way of Christian living is that we we're constantly creating we're constantly open to um creative um influence from the Holy Spirit um, so, so, and I really loved hearing you talk about opening up your services to, for the community and other groups to share and influence and become and deepen their spirit and their spirituality through their leadership and through that sharing of their, um, styles and their songs and what, what that's important. Tell me more about your creative style and how that happens in your life. So I am naturally a creative person however I'm not artistic so people get those two I think quite often confused I I don't do painting I have tried knitting but I'm not very good at it I, I do do photography and that's for me been a way particularly in the year following the fire I really got into photography and focusing on trying to find the beauty in what was a changing landscape and getting into photographing the little tiny orchids as they came out mm. and recording that year and the changes that happen. But I think creativity for me is so much more than just whether you can paint or perform a piece of music or take a good photo. It's, it's about having an openness to think differently, to yep. explore different ways of learning, of growing, of worshipping. And I'm really blessed to have a congregation in Malakuta that are very open to new ways no one ever says oh but we haven't done that before or you know we always do it this way or they they just go with it um, yeah and so one thing we tried this year our home group um was a, doing a pilgrimage walk and we walked from St Peter's through to Shipwreck Cove which is about 12 kilometers and then the next day so camped the night there and then the next day walked another 10 kilometres to another river and then back to mm. shipwreck. And each time we stopped, we would spend time in prayer and 
noticing creation and reading the scripture and then walk on to the next walk. And so it was this amazing link of just creation and spirituality and creativity. Mm-hmm. It was something that worked really well and something that certainly next year we'll put onto the calendar a couple of times and hopefully bring in people from the community whom that will speak to them in a way that coming to a church service never will. Yes, yes. And that's and those um, different ways that we find God and meet God, um, uh, you know, through the, through the just that pace of our feet hitting the ground or um, the music that we might play or hear or, or enjoy um, or, you know, you spoke about knitting, you know, maybe the, just the, the, the rhythms of the knitting needles working together. You know, for, for each of us, we, we meet God differently and um, gives us time to look inwards and listen deeply as to who we are and who we're made to be in our world and, in, and to each other. Jude, uh, tell me some words of wisdom. It sounds like you've been through many experiences that, that aren't necessarily common um, for, for every person um, and you've got some really unique experiences to draw from and, and what is some wisdom that you would share with our listeners that has just held you up or held up others that, that may have um, been revealed to you recently or or over your whole life? Might even be from your parents. Maybe, maybe these are words of wisdom that have been shared over generations. What would you tell us? Well, I'm lucky to have very wise parents, but I can't think of any particular pearls to <laughs> drop from them right at the second. But one of the things I've been meditating on just this week, uh, on Sunday we had the parable of the talents or the parable of the bag of gold or, as I decided to translate it, the parable of a million dollars. It's all roughly the same value. But so often it's preached either with a financial viewpoint or with the English translation of the word talents, you know, the things we're good at. But I was pondering it the last week about God gives us so much, um, the creation that we're surrounded by, that we've already talked about, the beauty of a place like Malakuta, the, the pros and the cons of living in a small remote community because there are pros and cons, mm-hmm. um, the education we've been able to get, the experiences we've had through life, and each of us carry different things and we've all been given very different things. And when I was reflecting on that parable, I was contemplating that it is God that gives and God that expects us to put that into action, not just dig a big hole and bury it and hope for the best. And so often we look at what other people have been given and think, oh, but I would have done this or that in their circumstance or if I only had their talent or their education or their money or their this or their that. But we're not asked to give what others have been given. We're asked to respond with what we've been given. And so, you know, for me, this experience of leading a church through bushfire recovery and through trauma, that is an experience that I've been given. And so to make the most, and as I say, doing some doing some psychological study on how we process trauma with the idea that I can be better informed to help other people through. But what are the things that we have been given, each of us, and what are we doing to grow the kingdom of God with that? If we've been given love, are we giving love to others? If we've been given this blessing of a beautiful world, how are we helping give a beautiful world mm. to others? And in that way, together, we grow the kingdom of God. So that's that's what I've been pondering on this week. So whoever you are, as you're listening, 
what is something that God has given you uniquely that you can give to one other person or to your congregation or to your summer community that you go and join or whoever to help extend the kingdom of God from what you have been given to give to others? That's what I'm pondering. That's beautiful words, Jude. And I think the idea, I think for some people and for me for many years thinking that the kingdom of God was an end game state, I think it's a I think it's a process um, and yeah. it's a daily it's a daily decision and decisions to act with love and act as as we you know love your neighbor as you love yourself and to care generously for others um, is building the kingdom is the kingdom happening today mm-hmm. and tomorrow yeah. Jude Benton it's been delightful thank you so so much for sharing some insights into the community of Malakuta and the parish of Crowa Jingalong and reminding us of um, the beautiful community of Can River um, that's part of the, the Gippsland Diocese as well. I'm very much looking forward to coming your way in the next 12 months to come and say hello and um, meet you in service. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on Gippsland Anglicans on Air. You can read about the St Peter's Malacuda 50-year celebration in our Gippsland Anglican magazine takes up the front cover of the November edition and you can find that on our website at www.gippslandanglicans.org.au. Jude, thank you again. We'll see you another time. I'd love to continue this conversation in another episode. Well, thank you, Libby, for the opportunity and thank you to all the listeners for listening to the whole show. We'll see you another time. Bye for now.